Hello, everyone. I'm Alicia Swami. I'm here with Keely Severson, Eric Johnson. We are exposing mold. Today, we are talking about the fascinating world of mold illness, and we're here to debunk the common misconception that measuring mycotoxins is the ultimate key to actually understanding mold illness. Can you maybe talk a little bit more by what we mean by this, Eric? Well, the guy that uh, made up this poster here, who gave me my education in uh, trichothecene toxicity, he said there are many undiscovered molds and um, probably many undiscovered mycotoxins. And different molds produce different mycotoxins at different times. They're capable of synthesizing new ones. <clears throat> so the idea that a um, testing a small limited number of molds, mycotoxins, is going to give you an accurate picture of what you're exposed to and whether or not you have the right to claim that you're sick from mold is flawed. It's misleading. It's assuming that they've got the whole thing covered and they can reliably know from their very limited testing whether or not you can stand up and go, yeah, this is what made me sick or not. Yeah, they found enough to be suggestive, but definitive, absolutely not. What do you think of the people who say we're so awful for telling people not to test? Like, you know, because people have an emotional reaction to this idea that we say testing can't find everything. So then they get mad. I don't people, I don't tell people not to test. I go, if you've got the money, knock yourself out. Do every test in the book. I don't care. Do, in fact, um, <clears throat> doing these tests gives us more data on whether or not it's accurately reflecting your illness or not. Because if you do a ERMI or an air sampler and, um, it doesn't show any sign for your illness, but you're still reacting, then you've got a pretty good indicator there that the testing is not up to your level of hypersensitivity. It's not. So yeah, I'm totally in favor of testing, especially if people have the money to blow on it. But I'm just saying that don't bet your life on it because it might not work out so well. What would you say to the people who say a dust test can tell you everything you need to know about mycotoxins in your house? No, just look at the people for whom it didn't work. If um, testing was reliable every time and it always told you exactly what was in your environment and how sick you ought to be, great. That would be glorious. But it doesn't. And there are people who react to contaminated objects. And sometimes the dust isn't even detectable on that object. So clearly, there's more to this picture, and assuming that a test has it covered is misleading people and sort of a false pretense. There also seems to be like confusion between mold, um, like mold testing for your health versus like infection. Like people think that I got sick in my house, I was exposed to mold, now I have mold growing inside me, I got to get it out, or I got to detox it out or whatever like there's a lot of confusion around that i used to think that was confusion but after watching this carefully explained to people who are promoting this idea in excruciating detail there is a difference between toxic mold inhalation and fungal infection and watching them persist in conflating the two and these don't appear to be mentally deficient people they seem to know what they're doing this convinces me 
that they see profit in keeping the confusion rolling because they generally have some product or service that they're selling and keeping people in doubt and uncertainty and fear keeps them coming back to buy more product. So I'm not convinced that a lot of this is true confusion. But having that said, um, the idea of parsing out inhalation alone leads to a concept of what kind of testing is necessary to determine if you have been inhaling toxic mold. Should it be a urine test? Should it be uh, an immunological test? And the experts, of which I am not one, debate this endlessly. And it seems to make sense, at least to me, that the urine mycotoxin testing is going to be an indicator of what you ingested. Whereas the um, the immunological testing, that's going to re- react to how inflamed your body is from whatever it is your exposure happens to be ingested or inhaled. So it seems to me that the uh, immunological testing at least lets you know that there's some kind of response going on that's abnormal that needs to be looked into. Whereas the um, urine mycotoxin test is just a, a better indicator that you haven't been careful about what kind of food you're eating. Yeah, because a lot of people will take a urine test and then they'll take a home test and then they'll find both of the same thing or they'll find the mold, find its mycotoxin, whatever it produces, whatever strains they're finding on the urine test. And they'll say, oh, well, these two match. So it has to be that I'm being exposed in my house because I have the same strain in my home and in my urine. Yeah. And um, like I say, I'm I'm not an expert and I try to leave this in the hands of the, the mighty researchers. But at the same time, one of the things I noticed during the Lake Tahoe outbreak is that people were complaining about all kinds of different toxins equally. And it didn't matter what which they were. Now, when people say, oh, yeah, I um, tested for 20 or 30 different uh, mold species, and I found mycotoxins from all of them in my body, I'm going, well, why is it that all of these suddenly became pathogenic at the same time? If mold is everywhere and aspergillus and penicillin has been in the environment all along, then why are they suddenly showing up inside your body? And then some of the people were looking at other things like flame retardants and um, pesticides and metals and all kinds of different things that were simultaneously showing up. And the mold experts, they're not looking for that. Their focus is mold. So naturally, that's what they're going to concentrate on. But my question is, if all these different things that didn't seem to increase their pathogenesis are suddenly showing up in your body, this says to me that our defenses have been lowered. It's not necessarily a matter of all the molds suddenly having superpowers. It's something about our host response that became unable to ward them off any longer. So I didn't really want to uh, focus on the common molds, aspergillus, penicillin, the things that weren't really bothering me. If there's anything that was acting as a sensitizing agent that was lowering my immune defenses against all these other things, is it possible to hone in on it, isolate that one particular thing, avoid that alone, and have hopefully the uh, other things become less of a problem? 
And that was my thought process that led me to stachybotrys, trichothecine-producing molds, some kind of strange effect from the toxic black mold. And I acted on the basis that if I avoid my primary sensitizer, my primary irritant, that the rest of these things wouldn't really be so much of a problem. And that turned out to be the case. So it seemed like a good working theory. And I just wanted to explore that with uh, researchers. Wonderful. Keely, did you want to um, ask ask Eric a question? Well, not necessarily, but I guess I think I think the point of this whole conversation is testing doesn't give the information that people believe that it gives them. And I think that people are really attached to needing a test to validate their illness or their exposure. And there are some cases where it can validate for them that they're sick or give them more information or maybe serve as evidence to their family. But there are so many other cases where it invalidates what's happening because it because it looks like you're not really exposed or you're not exposed to a much enough that makes you sick or you're excreting this type of mycotoxin. So that's assumed to be evidence that that's your primary mold that bothers you. And it's, to me, this just raises the question of what's going on with testing, what's going on with testing for our bodies, with testing for our homes, that it's falling short. It suggests that this phenomenon isn't as well understood by those selling the tests as it's portrayed to be. And I just think consumer and buyer beware because your, your health and your family's health is on the line and you might not be getting the information you think that you're getting. And I think, I just think people need to understand that. Yeah. Dr. Shoemaker's book, Mold Warriors, I talked about my um, epiphany of thinking of this as being like a peanut reactivity. You know, I had that experience with, with my commanding officer where I almost killed him by breathing a few peanut molecules in his face, incredibly low levels of peanuts, dropped him in his tracks. And I came across this idea that, wow, what if my reactivity to this particular mold is similar to that? And I acted on that basis and it did seem to help me out a lot. Um, So now this gives me a vantage point to observe what other people are doing and imagine, put yourself in the place of a peanut reactor who can be killed by a few molecules of of peanut. And an expert says, oh yeah, we're going to test your house for walnuts, pistachios, um, hazelnuts, just all kinds. And it's like, wait a minute, I told you I was a peanut reactor. I don't care about these other nuts. They go, okay, well, we'll go through your house. We don't see any peanut shells. So I guess you swept up all the peanuts and maybe uh, there's no jars of peanut butter in here. No, I told you I'm a peanut reactor. You can slice a sandwich with a knife that was used to cut a PBJ, cut a roast beef sandwich. And if I eat that, I could die. And they, oh, that's, that's crazy. You know, that's, that's not something that shows up on um, our test of how many peanuts you've got in your house. So really what I'm looking for is somebody who understands peanut reactivity and can translate into thinking of that same thing as applied to trichothecine mycotoxins. And if they are incapable of doing that, then I consider their advice, their guidance, 
to be completely irrelevant to my situation. Awesome. Did you guys want to add anything else? Because I feel like that's really good. No, that's good enough for me. Cool. Thanks everyone for listening. Also, thank you to our latest sponsor, Mold and More Decon, Bill Young. We really appreciate you believing in our work. And uh, if anyone is interested in their services, please check out www.moldan, the letter N, more, M-O-R-E, decon, D-E-C-O-N.com. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. We want to thank you for listening. Just sending a friendly reminder that what we say is not intended as medical advice, but information to expand your thinking surrounding common situations and issues within the mold community. If you like what we do, please support us by making a donation in the link in our show notes. We also provide one-on-one consultations, products to help with symptom management that you can find in our shop, and a private membership group filled with a supportive community of peers working together to heal from toxic mold. As a friendly reminder, Exposing Mold is a 501c3 nonprofit and every donation is tax deductible. Thank you so much for your support and we look forward to providing you with the most honest information out there on mold and mold issues. Please visit ExposingMold.org for more information. 